0: Welcome. It is so good to be here. So I've, I just figured it out that I've actually been here for three months. This is the last Sunday of the... Didn't that go fast? I feel like I just got here like last week. Oh, it seems like forever. <laughs> Man, VBS has been so awesome. And one of the things that I love is just seeing the way wherever there are needs, people just show up to meet those needs. And that's been uh, just very, very encouraging. Um, so this morning, we're gonna be talking about giving. Now, we just finished a series on the Bible where we did one, one week, one or two weeks on every book of the Bible, and we just finished that. We've been going through that for about three years. So obviously, that started before I got here, but I'm really thankful I got to finish it up. That was so encouraging, just such a great blessing. And next week, we're gonna start a series on James. But since today is our, our budget meeting, I thought I'd talk about giving. Well, what do you think? Uh, I'm new here, so I don't know if that's a good idea or not. And one of the cool things, though, is since I don't know anything about anybody, you know I have nobody in mind this morning, uh, specifically. Um, If you are here and you're a guest, I just want to say, welcome, we're so glad you're here. And in some ways, um, you get to kind of listen to a family sermon, because we're going to be talking about giving. That's for the folks that attend here and that are a part of this church family, and we want to think rightly about that. If you're here and you normally attend another church, then that's awesome because this is specifically going to apply to you um, in your church. And so this is going to be really cool. Um, Teaching on giving is really important and it's really important for a few reasons. Uh, One is that God says a lot of things about money. And you know, the purpose of the church is to make disciples and to make disciples is to teach people to obey everything that Jesus says. And so if Jesus talks about something, then we want to know what that is so we can obey it. The thing about the church for, for a lot of folks, when, when they come to church, they think about church being a place where you can come and learn to kind of clean up your life and be a better person. And, and the, the reality is that the church is not primarily about coming and cleaning up your life. The church is about coming and meeting Jesus, finding out who he is, being forgiven, having eternal life. And actually, Jesus is the one who cleans up our life. And so uh, we're going to talk about giving today, but that's an expression of a Christian's life. Nobody gives to get into heaven. Like This is like any other area of obedience. It's not something that makes us right before God. It's something we do because God's made us right before him through Jesus. So teaching is important because God talks about it. Secondly, it's important because there's a lot of false teaching about money. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about that and he says that when he talks about false teachers, he basically says that they are driven and motivated by a desire for money. And he talks about that in uh, 1 Timothy chapter six and so he talks about these false teachers who are greedy and then he says to Timothy in talking about money, this is what he says, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Some people see godliness as a means of gain. And then he says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothes with these, we shall be content. So when we think about needs and God's meeting our needs, if we have food and if we have clothes, then our needs have been met. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And then he finishes up by just saying to Timothy, But you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and steadfast gentleness." And so um, it's important for us to know what God says about money and to think rightly about it and for the church to be a reflection of the attitude that God wants Christians to have. And so um, a lot of times what ends up happening is, is people don't teach on giving because they don't want to sound like false teachers that are manipulative. But we should not avoid preaching on giving for that reason. Um, for me personally, I actually like preaching on giving because it's one of the, th- the topics that God really used in a great way in my life when I was a new believer. So I grew up in a church that had lots of financial trouble and they were always talking about money and I just hated it, it was like, oh come on, really, again? And I just learned to turn, uh, tune out those sermons. And I remember being a believer, I'd been working for about, uh, probably about four years and do you know how much money I had given? Zero. I'd never given, and I remember sitting in church, and this pastor was preaching a sermon on giving, and I've been a believer for about a year, and as he's preaching, I just remember looking around the room and thinking, you know, I really hope these people are paying attention. You know, people should give, and he was talking about needs for a parking lot and things like that, and I'm like, you know, when are these people going to give? And as I was sitting there, it occurred to me, (laughs) I I didn't give, and I never had. And I realized, you know what, this sermon's not just for other people, this sermon's for me. And that was transforming and it was so encouraging and it's something that God has used in my life and it's something also, not only have I incorporated into my life, but that I've taught my kids. I want them to see money the way God sees money. And I don't think we should wait till kids are 18 to teach them about about giving. I started teaching my kids, kids about giving when they were five. And it used to traumatize their grandparents because I would say, okay, you got some money, we're gonna give 10% to church, we're gonna save 30%, and then you can spend the rest. And I just started talking to them and teaching them from the time they were very young, this is how God wants us to view money. And uh, so it's not like one day they learned it when they were older, they started when they were young. And by the way, that's what, the way we should approach every part of being a Christian. So the, the very first sermon that I heard, um, the pastor asked some questions And answered them. And if I was taking good notes and if I saved notes, I could repeat that sermon for you today. It was about 30 years ago. And I can't do that. But I'm going to share with you some of the things that the Lord has taught me. And and to share those from the perspective of asking questions and then answering them. And so our first question today is we're going to actually ask four. I'll tell you what all four of them are. Number one, should we give? And you can guess what the answer to that is. And number two, how much should we give? How do you decide how much to give? Um, a third very important question is why do we give? And then the final one is who should we support? Who should we give money to? And so I'm going to answer those four questions from God's word this morning. And so let's look at the first question, should we give? And the answer to that is Yes. Uh, The Apostle Paul was preaching to the, uh, the Corinthian church about giving, and he actually says a lot to the Corinthian church about giving. But here's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't understand about some of the different churches is they were very different. The Philippian church was a very generous church and one that really met the Apostle Paul's needs. The Corinthian church, on the other hand, really struggled with their attitude. They were always criticizing the Apostle Paul. So, when the Apostle Paul went to minister to them, he never took any money from them. And you actually read in the book of Acts when he got to the Corinthian church, there's this description of what the Apostle Paul did. And it says that he made tents. Have you guys ever heard of tent makers? And so, the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. He also talks about this with the, with the Thessalonians when he's talking to them about giving. He says, you remember that when I was with you, I worked, we supplied our own needs, we just worked and we ministered to you and you never supported us. And he was just reminding them, I don't do what I do for the money. And with the Corinthian church, it describes the Apostle Paul making tents all week and reasoning in the synagogues on the Sabbath. Sabbath. But as you read on, it says, and then some people showed up from the Philippian church with a gift from the Philippian church and Paul stopped making tents and he just did ministry all the time. And so that's what we realize, part of supporting the people that are ministering to us is because we don't want them to be distracted by another job. We want them to fully devote their attention to what they're doing. But people in ministry should never be motivated by money. They should never do what they do for the money. And so the Apostle Paul, when he's teaching this Corinthian church, remember that he was inspiring them and encouraging them but wouldn't accept money from them because it would have polluted the gospel message. It would have confused what he was doing and why. But he did accept money from the Philippians because he knew their heart was right. And so it's actually a privilege to be able to give to God's work. And so, should we give? The answer is yes. This is one of the things that Paul says to the Corinthian church. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do also. On the first day of every week, let each one of you put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. And so one of the things that we see, uh, and this is a principle throughout Scripture, but it's something that is expressed in this passage, too, is that we give to God first. Um, He says, on the first day of the week, which was the day they met on Sunday, he just said, you meet, and on the first day of the week, you give. So that when I come, there won't need to be an, an offering. Another thing that you see here is that you should have a regular giving plan, like giving is, not, is something that you should consider in your budget, that you th- should think about, that you should make a decision, and you should give to the Lord's work. So should we give? The answer to that question is yes. So the next question is how much should we give? And, you know, I told you that I had my kids give 10%. That's where we started. But did you know that the New Testament never gives a percentage? We learn a lot from the Old Testament. We learn about attitudes. We learn principles. And none of the principles in the Old Testament have changed. But some of the specific instructions given in the Old Testament actually don't apply to us today. And one of the things that God never does in the New Testament is he never says, this is how much you should give. So there's not a set amount. In the Old Testament, God just made all these rules and said this is exactly what you do so people would know what to do. In the New Testament, God says, you need to think through and pray about what the Lord would have you do. And so how do we give? What, what did Paul tell the, the First Corinthian church? He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, um, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so I do also on the first day of every week, let each one of you put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. So we should give proportionally. We should think about how has God blessed us? How much do I have? That's part of how we factor in what we should give is how much we have. Um, I used to enjoy doing this with my kids is I would encourage them and being a person who understand the budget, understood the budget of the church and what we did, my kids would come and they didn't give very much because they didn't have very much. But when they would give, I would think about, okay, this is how much you gave and I knew how much different things in the church cost. And so I might say, hey, um this, this week, this individual bought guitar strings. The church bought them guitar strings. The money you gave covered that. So the music that's being played today, you, you contributed that. When we would go and hand out flyers, uh, I would say, here's how much a flyer costs. The Lord may have allowed your money to go to that flyer that went into a person's hand, and that person may have come to church and become a believer because of the tiny bit of money that you gave. And I wanted to help my kids think about and understand that we give faithfully out of our heart. It's not that God needs our money. This is uh, something that Jesus observed, and this is what he says to his disciples. He sat down opposite the treasury, and he began observing how people were putting money into the treasury, and many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Now there's two things to think about here. Um, One is that giving's proportional, and what may seem small to some people could be huge. And so we don't view things in those terms. But this is actually not Jesus saying that poor people should give everything they have and have nothing to live on. Like that is not the point of this passage. Um, One of the things that Jesus talked about was how corrupt the Pharisees were, how they were lovers of money. And this is a situation that should never be happening, that a poor person's putting in all they have to live on that is not God's intention and that's not the point of this passage and so that's just an important thing for us to understand so we should give proportionally in 2nd Corinthians Paul talks to uh, the Corinthian church again and he talks about this gift of the Philippians and so here's what here's how he describes that Second, so another thing how should how much should we give we should give proportionally we should give sacrificially look at this passage here It says, we want you, brothers, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. By the way, that's the Philippian church. That's the church that supported Paul while he was ministering to the the Corinthians. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. It goes on, it says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. And so when you look at this, the Philippians, they were poor, they didn't have a lot, but they gave generously and they were thankful to be able to give and they were begging for the opportunity to give. And Paul just says, man, it totally surprised us how generous they were. And what a contrast between the Philippians and the Corinthians. So we give sacrificially. He goes on uh, later in in, uh, chapter nine, the next chapter, uh, we give generously. Um, this is what he says in Second Corinthians 5:9,5 5, 5 through8. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead of you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift, so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift, not affected by covetousness. Now this, I say that he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So he just encourages them, be generous. When you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. When you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. Now here's the thing about sowing and reaping. God promises that when we invest in eternal things, that we're laying up treasure in heaven. It's not a promise that the Christian life is like a lottery or like a slot machine, that if I put money in, I'm going to get a lot of money out. If I put a quarter in, I'll get a dollar. If I put in $10, I'll get a hundred. And that's actually one of the things that false teachers do, is they'll say, if you're really struggling financially, if you're having trouble, send me money and you'll be okay financially. Um, Anytime somebody is preaching a message like that, that is a mark of a false teacher. In fact, I heard this, this story of these two men that were trapped on an island. And their ship sank, they got stuck on an island, and... These two guys are sitting there, and the one guy's just sitting there, looks totally relaxed. And the other guy's running around, and he's like, We have no hope of being saved. There's no way to get off this island. And the, the second gentleman's sitting there, relaxed. He says, Hey, don't worry about it. I make $250,000 a week. And the guy's like, Okay. He goes, But we're going to die. We're going to die on this island. And the guy says, No, no, we're not. I give. I make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a week, and I tithe. Trust me, my elders will find me. (laughs) And that's kind of funny because elders care about the well-being of the church. But I just want to tell you something: if that was true, if that was true, you should get out of that church. Um, What a person should say is, "I'm a new Christian." And don't worry, my elders will find me. They want to take care of me. Or I'm a person that, you know, my elders are discipling me. They're training me. Trust me. They love me. They are going to come find me. Spiritual leaders should not be driven financially, they should be driven by a love and a care and the privilege of being able to minister to people. So we give sacrificially, generously, and we give cheerfully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There is nothing better than to be able to give generously to the needs that God puts around us. To be able to support a ministry that's doing significant things that are of eternal value, that is just such an amazing, awesome thing to be able to do. Okay, so that's how much we should give. And guess what? There's no dollar amounts. You need to pray about what those are. What's generous? What's sacrificial? Um, What is something that I could give joyfully? But giving is a necessity in a Christian's life. Every faithful, mature believer gives generously, gives faithfully. And um, so you might not have known before, but hopefully it's now on your radar the way the Lord put it on my radar. Okay, so let's talk about what motivates us to give. This is Jesus talking about giving, and this is what he says in Matthew 4. We need to give out of a desire to please the Lord and to be faithful to God. So Matthew 6, 1 through 4 says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing so that your father will see your giving in, in secret. And it's cut off there, but so God will bless you and he'll, he'll see what you're doing and God will bless you. So we don't do what we do for the sake of the approval of people. We do what we do for the Lord. There's a story about Charles Spurgeon. You guys ever hear about him? So he's this famous preacher. And he and his wife had a bunch of chickens that would lay eggs. And so as they were laying eggs, they would always sell their eggs. They would not give them to family members. They wouldn't give them to anybody in the church. If you wanted their eggs, you had to pay for their eggs. And a lot of people criticized them. They said, look how greedy they are. They have all these eggs. They have more than they need to eat, but they won't give any eggs to anybody. They sell them all. After the Spurgeons died, people found out that they sold those eggs and there were two widows that they were supporting and every dollar that they got from selling those eggs went to support widows and they never told anybody. Even though people were criticizing them, they just took the criticism and they supported people who were in need. And so um, that's one of the things that that we do when we give, we give in in secret. And one of the things I love is I don't know how much anybody gives and I never will know how much anybody gives. And I don't wanna know. Um, I wanna be completely focused on caring for people and ministering to people and people are not valued by what they give. They are people made in God's image. And so uh, we also need to give. We give in secret and we give so God gets the glory. Look at this passage here. And God is able to make all a grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Who gives us what we have? God does. And he gives us enough to contribute to his work. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seeds for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness and you will be enriched in every way to be generous, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So when we give and when we minister to people and as they're blessed by that giving, they thank God. You know, and that's actually one of the reasons why giving in secret can be so helpful is you'll have people that have a need and they're praying and they're saying, Lord, please meet this need. And then out of nowhere, that need gets met. Who gets the credit? God does. I'll never forget a day Michelle and I were shopping somewhere. And this, we were kind of in a hurry to get somewhere and this gentleman walks up and he just says, man, I am really in trouble. I need some gas. I need some help. And, and he's just asking me for help. And I'm thinking, man, I gotta get out of here. I don't have time to help this guy. And I just thought, you know what? I'm, just, I, I'm gonna help him. And so I took him over, and I got him gas, and and as I'm getting him gas, he's like, man, there are just not people like you around anymore. Nobody helps, nobody gives anything, nobody does anything, and you are just, you're like this amazing person that's just meeting needs. And I'm just in a hurry, okay, great, thank you, thank you, filling this car with gas, running, getting in my car, and driving away. And as I got in that car and drove away, I thought, man, I blew it. Because I walked away from that gentleman, and he walked away thinking, wow, there's still nice people out there. And I just said, God, please forgive me for that. Please give me another chance. And so within a week, I was sitting in a gas station, and another gentleman walked up to me and said, man, I'm really in trouble, and I need some help, and, and God gave me another chance to do that again. And I just said to him, I said, hey, um, I'm happy to help you, but I want you to know why. Why? God's been so gracious and so generous to me. He's given me so much. And I don't know if you know this, but God put me here to meet your need. God sent me here to take care of you. And so in that case, I'm giving this guy, um, I'm, give, I'm meeting this person's needs. And, and who's getting the credit? It's not me. He doesn't know who I am. I'm just some stranger. But he's like, okay, Christians are generous. Wow, God put him here to meet my need. And so part of the reason that we give, we give to give God credit so that he'll get the glory. It's never about us. It's always about giving glory to God. Here's another reason that we give. So one, we give because we want to give God glory. We also give because we love people who are made in God's image. A lot of the giving in the New Testament is talking about giving to the poor we well, look at these verses Proverbs 19:17 One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his good deed. Not necessarily in this life. Sometimes God does repay us in this life, but eventually God will repay us. That's storing up treasure in heaven. He who gives to the poor will never m- want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. In Galatians 2:10 um uh, in Jerusalem, they gave the Apostle Paul some instructions. This is what they said to him. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Um, caring for people who are made in God's image. We love them and that motivates us and it drives us to meet needs. Here's another reason that we give. We give because we love things of eternal value and we want to invest in things of eternal value. Matthew nine. 619, this is Jesus talking about money. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so we want to lay up treasure in heaven. We want to invest in things of spiritual value. And that includes, I include supporting people and caring for people that are doing ministries, supporting ministries. Like that's all part of that. But we think about, I care about eternal things. I care about what happens. You support a missionary who's out sharing the gospel and people are coming to a Christ. We want to invest in those things. We do care about human needs. But what's more important in anybody's life than their physical, temporal needs is their eternal condition. And so we want to meet needs in the name of Christ. And in the same way I want to meet needs in the name of Christ, I want to give to people who are meeting needs in the name of Christ. I want that grace, that kindness, that goodness to reflect on who Jesus is and who and what he's done in our life. So we give, to, uh, we, we give because... We have a love for eternal things. Um, We we, want to give four ministry opportunities. This is an interesting thing that Jesus says. Look at this in Luke 16. He who is faithful in very little thing is also faithful in much. He who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? If you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? You know, when you talk about the scale of importance, money is important because it's a reflection of our heart. There's a lot of reasons money is important, but money is not the most important thing. The most important thing is ministry. It's spiritual value. And if if you can't be faithful with money, why would God give you opportunities to do ministry? Why would he allow you to be a spiritual influence in somebody's life? If you can't be faithful with your money, why would God bless you with the things that really matter? And so that's one of the things I think about as a church. As as a believer, I want to be faithful financially because I want the privilege of being able to serve God and, and being involved in people's lives. And as a church... We should want to be faithful with our resources, not so we can get more things, bigger and better things, but so that God will entrust us with true riches, which is the blessing of being able to invest spiritually in people. Uh, We need to invest in in ministries that are spiritually faithful. This is 3 John, and we covered that um, just a few weeks ago. We need to find people that are investing in doing ministry and we need to support them because in doing that, we become their fellow workers and we're actually working alongside them. It's one of the things I love. It's like you take a faithful person. I have a, I have a friend who is in college and he's just a spiritually faithful guy and he's, he's just, wherever he goes, the things that he does are just awesome and I've been supporting him since I left college and one of the things I think about is maybe I don't live in Albania but I'm ministering in Albania. Not because I can be there physically, but because I support somebody who's there and to find faithful people and to be a part of their ministry by supporting them. We also wanna make sure, second John, that we're not taking money that God intends us to use well and supporting people that are false teachers. So part of giving faithfully is not giving in the wrong places. So if you watch TV and somebody says, Send me your money, and it will solve all your financial problems. First of all, they're robbing you. But secondly, if you give to that person, you're sinning. You are misusing God's money when you send it to false teachers. And so we need to make sure that we're supporting faithful people, that we're not supporting unfaithful people. And we should also support ministries from which we get a blessing. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthian church. And he basically says to them, You guys should be paying me, but I'm not going to take any money from you because I don't want it to be a hindrance to the gospel. Here's what he says. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, the thresher um, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing in the crops, if we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? And so the Apostle Paul is telling them, he's just saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm working and I'm ministering to you spiritually. You should actually be eager to cover our expenses, but then he goes on in this passage, but he says, I'm not saying this should be done in my, in, in my case, and I'm not even gonna accept any money from you because I don't want it to hinder or pollute the gospel message. And so he doesn't actually make use of that, but as we think about how, how does this apply to us, think through not only people you wanna partner with, but who, what ministries, who, who is investing and in encouraging and blessing you spiritually you should contribute and support that. And so those are, those are ways that we consider those things. Okay, so how do we decide to whom we should give? Let's continue on. Those who are in need. Ephesians 4.28, did you know that the reason that you're supposed to work and have money is so that you can help other people? This is what Ephesians says. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. See, a lot of times we think, oh, I need, to, I need to work so I can have enough money to pay my bills and so that I can take care of my family. But God says one of the reasons you work is so that you can meet the needs of the people around you. So we need to work to care for ourselves, but also to be able to meet needs. And so when you see genuine needs you should meet those. This is a, this is a gray area. Um, who and how do you help people who are in need? And the Apostle Paul does talk about that in Thessalonians. This is what he says. He says, even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and to eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. It's not necessarily every single need that we should meet. Um, if, if there are people that are undisciplined and they're lazy and they're unwilling to work, we shouldn't support them. The Apostle Paul just says, hey, if they're not going to work, then let their hunger drive them to work. Um, sometimes we can help people in ways that actually doesn't help them. You can have a person who they should be working. There's no reason that they can't work. And by giving them money, we, just, we, we enable. That's the word that we use today is we enable people. And so we shouldn't do that. But, you know, it's easy to use that as an excuse to never help anyone and to just say, oh, yeah, that person probably doesn't work. And instead of just saying, hey, I'm here to care for people, to meet needs in the name of Jesus. And our primary concern is not not to come up with reasons why we shouldn't help people. We do need to consider the times that we shouldn't do that. But you know how he ends this up? But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. Paul says, be careful how you help people. Help in a wise way, but don't use it as an excuse not to do good. And so I know for, for me, um, as I think about money, it's, it's just such a blessing to see, to see the way that God provides. And I want to just end this morning. If you have your Bibles or your phones, and we've, uh, I've been putting all the verses on the slides, by the way, I know there's been a lot up there and we've moved quickly. Um, these uh, slides will be available in the app later. But, um, but I, w- I want to read a, a verse that um, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, and this really should be the theme verse of our life as we think about money. It says this Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body. What you will put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan?" And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So it reminds me of um, my kids when they were young. One of my kids walked up to me and says, hey, Dad, I I want a color, and so I gave him some paper and I gave him some crayons and he's sitting at the table and he's coloring and he's drawing on the, on the table. And one of the other kids comes in and just says, oh, hey, I wanna color, can I color too? And to, and to see, no, no, this is my paper. And, and, and this, the kid who was coloring first is like, no, I'm not gonna share, this is my paper. And I'm just sitting there thinking, really, I just gave you some paper. And so I just talked about how important it is to share, and one of the things I said is I just said, "Um, where'd you get the paper? And, well, Dad, you gave it to me. I said, yeah, that's right. I said, do I love you? Yeah. Yeah, you love me. That's why you gave me paper. And I just said, well, do you think that if you gave some of that paper to your brother and you had no paper left, that as a dad who loves you that I would leave you without any paper? Starts thinking about it. I said, do you have any idea how much paper I have? (laughs) I have reams of paper in the garage. I got more paper than you could even know what to do with. And the more generous you are, the more paper you give, the more paper I'm going to give you. And so, and then I just, I'm thinking, I'm just explaining this. And I'm thinking about the fact that our Heavenly Father knows us, he sees us, he loves us, he cares about us. And the difference between our God and other gods, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17 says that the God who we serve is the God who made everything. He doesn't dwell in a temple made with human hands, and he doesn't need anything from anyone because he gives to all men life and, and breath and all things. Our Heavenly Father knows us. He loves us. He takes care of us. And there's no greater joy than when we can take this one area of our life and say, Lord, I'm gonna be faithful to you. I'm gonna be generous to ministries. I'm gonna be generous to the poor. And I know that you love me and you care about me and you will take care of me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for giving us your word. And Lord, I just... Thank you for being a God who loves us, that we can trust, that you allow us to share in ministry, you allow us to share in your work. You don't need any of our money to accomplish anything that you want to, uh, want to accomplish, but you give us a privilege to give to ministry, to give to your work, and we get to share in what you do. Lord, help us to be faithful in that. Pray that we would love you with all of our heart. Your name, amen.